When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's about 36 hours until the transfer window closes. I'm Andrew Musgrove and I'm joined here by Chris Woff and Mark Douglas. It's nice to start the podcast on a positive note and that is obviously Newcastle beat West Ham 3-0 on the weekend. That seems like an age ago but we'll quickly just have a a bit of a natter about that first. I mean Chris, it it was a brilliant performance by Rafa Benitez's side. It was, and it's nice to actually start off on actual football as well, rather than before we get anything else, which is obviously the talk of, of this week, and, and rightly so. But the weekend was it was a huge positive, and it, it's given Newcastle a bit a bit of momentum. Uh, they fully deserved to beat West Ham, albeit defensively were shambolic at times. But that shouldn't take anything away from Newcastle, who I thought were very impressive. Um, what really impressed me was the fact that yeah, they got the three goals, but. Particularly the first goal epitomised the performance and that they, they closed down Rice in midfield between Perez and, and Richie, won the ball, Marino's lovely pass, Atu across and Hosselu's finish. And it was it was a real team goal. It showed that the players, the, the togetherness there and almost a willingness to, that, that the quality's been questioned. But in terms of heart, desire, personality, I don't think you can question the current side. And that, that's what Rafa built, part of what he likes to construct within the team is the personality, is the character, and he certainly has the players there to do that. Hossolu, it was great for him to get a goal. I was impressed in terms of he gives he gives them a focal point. He's a bit ungainly at times, and he's, I don't think he's ever going to be a world-beater, but he, he gives them a focal point. Marino looked good. I still think you need to give him a bit of time because uh, there are bits of his game where he gives the ball away. He's still got new intensity, but there's certainly massive potential in there. And just the fact that they kept a clean sheet as well, for everyone's confidence, that was very good. Obviously, there was the the Metro moment, which I'm sure we'll get onto at some point. But apart from that, it was it was really was a much needed win and a thoroughly deserved one. Yeah, definitely. We'll get onto the to the Mitrovic points in just a bit. But Mark, I mean, Newcastle looked a very good side. Was it a case that it just it just clicked for Newcastle, or something had changed during the week in training, or were West Ham just that bad? I think the, I think the thing is, you, you, we've seen already this in the first three weeks that you know we, we talk about Rafa Benitez managing the football club, but he also manages kind of the environment around the football club really well as well and I think we kind of saw a little bit um, last week in particular this new kind of ecosystem around the Premier League which which has kind of developed a little bit in the year that Newcastle have been away where there's now this almost like pundit class now and there and it used to be that those the ex-professionals used to come out of the, the game and say oh, the, the media are the worst the journalists paid journalists are the, are the worst they, they put the pressure on Actually, now there's a there's a class of pundit who have just come out of the game, who are almost in competition with each other to shout the loudest, to say the most kind of outrageous thing, and it's typified by the little clips that you see sometimes on Twitter of kind of your Danny Mills and Chris Suttons of this world basically saying, you know, this is the worst or this is the worst thing that I've ever seen, and you saw it with Arsenal on Sunday. Um, I, you know, as soon as the game finished, I, I saw this this kind of this like feed of things where people were saying Jamie Carragher is going in on Arsenal Gary Neville is going in on Arsenal I was like well 
how many times do they do it? And and I think we see this now. This is ecosystem around the Premier League, which wasn't in the Championship, and Newcastle were kind of buffeted so much by that in the run up to this game that you almost went into that game thinking, this is the worst Newcastle United. If you hadn't have watched them and you hadn't have heard what Rafa Benitez was saying, you're almost thinking, this is the worst Newcastle United side ever. It felt like that. You know, there's these people saying, Rafa's lost the dressing room. He's saying that the players aren't good enough. And he's, you know, and the fan, it's such a negative atmosphere. And actually, we got there as we knew the, as we knew was going to happen. And the atmosphere was actually really supportive and positive. It was a bit edgy because they lost two games. But I think, really... Consider the two, first two games, they weren't that bad. They weren't that good, but they weren't that bad. And I think the truth is they're not as good as everybody's kind of like saying, oh, you know, they were brilliant on Saturday. You know, let's be honest. The truth is they're somewhere in between. It's probably still going to be a battle this season. But I think um, in relation to your point, I think it was just a continuation of what Rafa's been doing all summer. He's been trying to get them to there. They made some daft errors against Huddersfield. They made one daft error. John Joe Shelby made the daft error. Uh, against Spurs, which kind of ruined what they were trying to do. The Forest game was, you know, unfortunately, the, the League Cup was going to be collateral damage this season. But, um, but yeah, I kind of think Newcastle are going to be up and down this season. But if the noise around the team is is as fierce as it was after those two games, it's going to be draining. But you know, it's all part of the fun. That's the Premier League now. Sky pay a lot of money for it. The pundits are there. We've got this thing where they have the debate now every day, don't they? Where they talk about Premier League issues, and it's the same pundits who don't necessarily, in my opinion, know that much about what's actually going on at Newcastle because they said some things last week that I was like, you know, all the stuff about Rafa's lost the dressing room. Chris will tell you. Lee will tell you. I can tell you. He hasn't lost the dressing room. You know, he, he never lost the dressing room. It was it was bizarre. But they played well, didn't they? They played well. And it, it's nice because it confirms to us that they can compete at this level, which we just needed that confirmation. I always felt they were probably good enough to beat teams like West Ham. But there's still going to be a struggle this season. It's still, they're still going to have to fight for every point, which they did on Saturday. But of course, with every pos- positive comes a negative, and it seems to be the way with Newcastle. And it, obviously, it's Alexander Mitrovic scored a, a good goal. He got, got a, he got himself about a bit on Saturday, but the, the elbow that we all saw highlighted by Match of the Day, you know, it's a deserved ban, isn't it, Chris? I think so. I wrote a piece the other day saying that uh, the 18 minutes that Mitrovic was on the pitch was a microcosm of his Newcastle career, and I fully believe that. There are so many positives from his time here. Before they went down in the few games, he came on against Norwich, he almost got them back in that game, scored a couple of goals, scored the goal against Sunderland. Against Spurs in the 5-1, was playing so well, then got the red card. That Held at his progress for the start of, of, of next season, uh, as in the championship season. When he first came in, there was the Arsenal red card, which came at a time which... Newcastle really needed points, they needed a focal point, their striker with the CC being injured didn't happen then. And here, he, he finally leapfrogs Dwight Gale in the pecking order. We find out from Rafa that, that Gale could have been in the squad, but he opted to have Mitrovic on the bench. Mitrovic comes on and scores, and yet does something which, look, that I know Newcastle fans are highlighting other incidents which have been missed in other games, and rightly so to a certain extent, but there is no getting away from the fact that it was just plain stupid. There was no need to do it. It didn't even seem like Lanzini had really wound him up. And I didn't see the incident live, but what I did see was Mitrovic going across to apologise to Lanzini. So straight away I thought, red flag, Mitrovic has apologised about something. He realises he's done something stupid here. And then you see the incident later on, he's just, it's, it's brainless. He doesn't even, I don't know what, what he's thinking. It, the, the ball's the game's, gone. The game's gone. The game's gone. gone. And it, it's, it's, not, it's, not even, it's not like Lanzini's through on goal. He's midway inside his own half. Under no pressure at all, and it was just, and that's the problem, and that's why Rafa doesn't fully trust him, and I don't think he ever will trust him. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like he's he's going to learn. If you look 
through the vast majority of footballs in the past. It, if you have that when the red mist descends and you do it, very rarely can you coach that out with someone. It, it tends to be a character trait. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it can be coached out of him. But I think Rafa doubts the ability that he's going to be able to do that. And it was just, it was playing stupid and it just sums up his career. Well, interestingly on this, Dali Ali is, is well known. He likes to wind up players. He has got that bit of aggressive streak about him. But he seems to have controlled it. He's about the same age as Mitovic as well. I mean, Mark, how does that come about, do you think? Do you think that is down to maybe this, this Spurs coaching staff or is it to the temperament of the player? Can Mitovic change his, change his ways? I think the thing with Mitrovic is he's, he, wound him, he winds himself up by the fact that he believes that he should be playing. I think he's really frustrated at the fact he's not playing. Um, you know, I think there was a nice quote, isn't there? Wasn't there about the, the kind of the finger on the lips celebration was... Um, you know, was intended for somebody who doesn't trust him. Now, I don't think he was he meant necessarily meant Rafa, but it was kind of like that idea that, you know, a lot of people say things about him and he doesn't think they're necessarily true. Um, whether we can get rid of it, I, I, you know, we've seen him play, we've seen him play disciplined, we've seen him play really well. And, and I think, I actually think he's getting better as a footballer from working. I mean, you know, this is a guy who has got tremendous self-motivation. You know, he, he has... Um, employed Alan Russell, the striker coach, the guy who's um, if you if you Google him, he's quite an interesting guy. He's got this. He calls himself the world's number one striker coach, but he's uh, he's worked he's worked with England, I think, as well. And, and Mitrovic has paid for him off his off his own bat to, to go and work with him. I think now Mitrovic, as much as you know, I, I'm just going to be the kind of devil's advocate to what Chris has said because I agree with all, all everything that he said. But uh, Mitrovic has now got ten Premier League goals. He's scored a goal every 72 minutes um, for Newcastle through pre-season and the start of this season. Should have played against Tottenham. Probably should have come on against Huddersfield and would have done as well. Um, so I think he'll stay because they, they can't, they're not going to find anybody to, to get rid of him. I think he'll obviously serve a three-match ban because I don't think he's got any wiggle room on that. But what I'd like to see is actually him getting involved. And I think he's... All right, he has to sit there and wait. But I think we've seen there's a chink in there that, that Gale um, isn't necessarily the number one anymore. Hossley was Chris said, looked really good on Saturday, but I think he'll be in and out. You know, you don't spend five million pounds on a striker and he's perfect all the time. So I think Mitrovic will get chances between now and January, and I would really like to see him because I, I think I thought on Saturday when he came on, that was the best I've seen him play. And it admittedly 18 minutes against a ragged West Ham who looked at that point as if they were finished, but he looked motivated and it was so frustrating that this that this happened. And while I kind of think that you know, Chris is exactly right. It was brainless. It was stupid. It was daft. It was a bit frustrating that um, it was kind of it became a talking point after the game because you know he did so much right, and I think he's done so much right. He looks leaner. He scored some good goals in preseason. He had one or two games in preseason where he was honking, to be fair, um, and he didn't look right. But you know, he played a lot of preseason. Played more preseason than Dwight Gale did. He should have started that game against Tottenham. That was a mistake. I think that was a mistake by Rafa. I, I can see where you come from. The, the thing that frustrated me on Saturday was I stood and I interviewed Dwight. I was part of the, the, the press pack who interviewed him. Uh, sorry, Mitrovic after the game, and he stands there and he's given the whole uh, people don't trust me and all sorts. And I can see where you come from to an extent. But then I'm, you stand there thinking, but you've just gone and done. You've just done done exactly. You've, you've gone and given further ammunition to the people who question mm. what you are able to do. But in that 18 minutes where he's come on and scored, if he doesn't do one brainless act then it really does look like a positive performance and he, he goes away with Serbia and you think and if he goes and scores a couple of goals here he could come back and, and again Swansea could get a game and 
it's just it's just it is so frustrating and I, and I can see why Rafa is so frustrated by him because there are some component parts there he, he, he still needs to do a lot of development in terms of gameplay but his all round game is improving but there's just that part of him which you, you can't it, he, he could easily have been red carded on Sunday and yes the game was already won but imagine if that was the, the 25th minute in the game like it was against Arsenal or whatever a couple of years ago I think it was even earlier it's 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 just something which which Rafa can't count. It's, you've got him and you've got Shelby. You still seen's got this this explosive streak in him, and it, 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 you you can't afford that when you're a team in the Premier League who are going to be really fighting for their survival at certain points this year. It's why he's at Newcastle. Though. That, that's yeah. the thing when we have kind of, when we kind of have to think about him and Shelby. Really, the reason that they're at Newcastle because Shelby, you know, played for England, had had a bit of. You know, he's clearly a talent, but because of that red mist thing, the reason nobody will touch him um, in the top sort of six. And Mitrich would have gone to one of the top six teams, I think, in the country that summer that he went to Newcastle. But for the fact that I I know, you know, Newcastle took a lot of soundings about Mitrich because they were really keen on him. They liked what they saw. Graham Carr had seen him play in the Champions League and, and played really well against some really top teams. But they took soundings on his uh, on him as a person and it, and. What came back was that you know he's still really undisciplined in terms of you know he's got this red mist you know there was concerns about him putting on weight I think as well which he's he's not done as well but he wouldn't have come to Newcastle he would have gone somewhere else because there were a lot of teams looking at him Arsenal really liked him Arsenal yeah he, well, he scored the, the goals yeah. against Arsenal and you know and it's it's a shame you know look I, I understand and everybody's kind of on his case and I completely understand that but I like to I like players who have a bit of edge and, and you know I know earlier in the summer when we were talking about it and I was kind of very like look you've got to you've got to get rid of him but um because he didn't play that well at the end of last season but I like players with a little bit of a little bit of edge but the problem is if it's going to be the difference between Newcastle winning and, and not winning this season then it's going to be a problem I think the Rafa's teams are very disciplined but they're not necessarily that you know you need somebody who's going to maybe provide a little bit of spark a bit of excitement but then it was the wrong Type of spark, wasn't it, in the end on Saturday? And that's the frustration we're talking about him. We should be talking about him as a, you know, a, a, as like, right, let's see what you've got. Because he can score on Premier League level. He's got 10 now. He can, but I mean, I, I've said all summer, I thought that they should sell him. The, 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 my main reason behind that is he's not a Rafa player and he's never going to be a Rafa player. That's just my one concern about the whole thing is regardless of what you say, if Rafa. Was was given the opportunity to have Mitrovic or someone else, he would he would almost certainly go for someone else the majority of the time. That is my personal view on the man. That's why I I didn't expect him to be here by the end of the window. It looks like he's going to be, and he's going to have to to really knuckle down again now because he'd have fallen even further behind after Saturday. And just just sticking with the ban, obviously it was highlighted on match of the day. I don't think Sky Sports did in their highlights, and there are accusations on social media that there is this agenda. In the press against Newcastle, I've seen wild accusations that the FA don't want Northeast Club in the top flight, which is you know absolutely laughable. No, the actually the the opposite is true because I know for a fact that um, the uh, Richard Scudamore was at Middlesbrough at the, um, at the start of last season and was talking to a few journalists around there, basically saying you know oh, well we we want as many Northeast clubs in the Premier League as we can because they know that a they um, people watch. The Northeast clubs. I mean, you see Newcastle there on TV all the time. So that's just yeah, it's just not true. The Premier League do want a strong Newcastle, Sunderland, and probably Middlesbrough in there as well. And they want Leeds in there, by the way, as well, because they want these teams that have name values. Yeah, that's that Newcastle in there. Yeah. But I mean, it's not a case of an agenda. It's a case of bad refereeing, inconsistent refereeing, inconsistent from the FA for obviously um, 
punishing people, but also it's a case of the FA just following their own rules. The two Huddersfield instances, the Harry Kane instance, incident was all seen by the referee, and the reason it wasn't dealt with retrospectively is because it was dealt with by the referee on the day, wrongly or rightly. Obviously, Kane should have had a red card. You can argue that the Huddersfield guys also should have been sent off, but the point was it was seen on the day by the ref was in his report, and that's why it wasn't dealt with very respectfully. That is true. I think sometimes that the FA do tie themselves in knots with this rule. I fully understand why the rule is there, that if a referee's seen it, you don't want to be self-policing yourself and that a referee's made that decision. But there are some occasions where I think, but it's illogical to a certain degree, because clearly the referee hasn't seen something fully. They haven't seen exactly what an incident was and you can highlight the Kane one you can highlight uh, the tackle on Mbemba down at Huddersfield and, and things like this and I do think there should be more flexibility there but they are following their own rules the problem is the, the inconsistency there sometimes they do highlight these things sometimes they don't I don't think it's a case of there being an agenda against Newcastle I think possibly the fact that it was Mitrovic and the noise and explosive character anyway mm. probably did get it highlighted more because you know he's got a propensity to do things like this it would be the same if it was someone like Deli Ali who's got a history of doing it, someone like Shelby as well, you expect it to be highlighted. It would have been the same when Roy Keane was playing and things like that. And I think players who don't necessarily have the same rap sheet probably do get off a little bit lightly. Do I think there's an agenda? No, I don't. But I, I do think that over the last few years that Newcastle have been in the Premier League, they probably have had their fair share of shouts against them. I don't think that's a thing against Newcastle. I just think it, it's plain bad luck and I hope that things start to change a little bit going forward. Fantastic. And now we'll move on to transfers. Just, like I said, 36 hours to go. Um, a few outgoings are more than likely. We've obviously got Grant Hanley looks set to join Norwich. Lazar's off to Italy. Callbacks in talks with Wolves, apparently on a loan deal. Um, Mark, I mean, what's your understanding on, on those that are potentially heading out? Yeah, um, there'll, be a, there'll be a few outgoings. Um, I still think something might happen with Tim Krul as well before the end of the window. Um, he wants to play. That one's been, you know, that one's been kind of bubbling away for most of the uh, most of the summer as well. I think there'll be, um, there might even be one or two more. I think we've, we've heard a lot about Dwight Gale um, in the last last twenty four hours, which will be which will be interesting. It's one to watch. Obviously, Fulham, we know, are interested. I my hunch, and obviously, I'll say this now. People will probably be listening to it in in eighteen hours, and the transfer window can make a fool of you. No, no doubt about it. I think that I don't think that's going to happen because I, I just feel like it's a lot to make to, to, for Newcastle not only to sell him but then to go and find somebody of sufficient caliber to go to go and um, to go and bring in. I mean, I was looking through a few of those options that Newcastle have kind of already looked at, and a few that are out there as well. And some of them are big, big players, big deals, you know. And some of them are away with their international teams as well. Um, I think the, I think things will happen. I, I'm still expecting Newcastle to possibly bring a couple in. Um, but you know, I would discount the idea that not, like nothing happens because it, these deals are all quite difficult. The thing, the, the shame will be that Newcastle will have freed the, the wage bill space that they needed to fill, uh, that we needed to free up in order to, to make the deals with with kind of two days left, and it's almost too late. But that part of that was the market, um, and part of that was the, you know that part of that was the kind of players they were trying to sell. You know, Colback going to a Championship club, well, they wouldn't want to. Sp- Pay Jack Colback's wages for you know what was it over two two months, so I think it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because I think we will inevitably as well the, 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 there are being names there are names being thrown at Newcastle there are names you know, Raffler's kind of not put down his phone for that the past 
you know, for the past few months he's been he's been spinning so many plates. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's more that we hear about in the next next two days. And and I still think they'll they'll probably do at least one. Um, but I think a few people are kind of looking for a big name or a big deal to come in, and you don't you never discount it because look at you know as dominoes kind of move and, and you never know like if one deal happens and another deal might happen. Um, but I, I'm you know I think watch this space. But I think significant business has probably been I think Newcastle's most significant business has probably been done. You kind of Marino, the Stoke. Um, Hustle coming in from Stoke that, that was the kind of I think that was probably the striker deal Rafa told us two weeks ago that he didn't think there'd be any more strikers coming in of course you know he also said at the same time there could be some surprises in the final few days which I know we all kind of like but uh, you know I, it, the noises that, that you're hearing at the moment are that there, there will be there will be things happening um, but it all depends on kind of other moves and things as well so you know you can't get 36 hours as you said it's it's a very short window. The, the longer and longer it goes on, the less we're going to see really significant business. I would have expected something to have maybe been moving by Monday if they were going to definitely do something. But they have now got the funds when these players leave and the, the space on the wages. I gather it's about £120,000 a week that Newcastle will save in terms of wages when they get rid of De Jong, Riviere and Hanley, which is significant, isn't it? Definitely. De Jong's been a big drain on that wage bill. Such a shame it didn't work out, though. Well, he was a big, big signing, wasn't he? You know, that was that was one that they tracked for two years. And it was a shame because he was a classy footballer and a really nice guy and a good professional. Um, and I think it's just one of those that doesn't work out. But the problem is with Newcastle, because fees and money is quite tight, when they do do a big deal like that, or like a Cabela, and it doesn't work out, it really does set them back, as you've seen. Cabela, that was, a big, that was another big deal, a big financial commitment. Tovan was a big financial commitment by Newcastle. De Jong was, Mitrovic has been, Ben has been, none of those have worked out 100%, have they? And that's Newcastle's problem. When they do a big deal like that, it has to work out. And like, not a lot of them have, and that's the problem for Newcastle. Their medium range deals have kind of worked okay. Um, it'd be really interesting as we talk about Marino. I mean, potentially, he only has to play 20 times, and Newcastle get him for £6 million. Bargain, isn't it? Well, if he plays as he did on Saturday, that's going to be a tremendous signing. You, know, you could spend an awful lot more than that on a player, on an English player, and not, you know, and, and not get anything like the value. But, but yeah, I mean, definitely, I, I think we'll all be interested when we, and I hope everybody's going to kind of join us tomorrow because we'll have a lot of analysis, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens because you can guarantee there will be names and and, and there will be it, you can guarantee there will be stuff happening tomorrow. Whether it actually ends with Newcastle's squad being miles better than it is now, I'm not sure about that. But there will there will be stuff happening. Obviously, you mentioned the one deal. That is that. Do you think that's one deal plus Kennedy, or do you think that deal is just Kennedy and that'll be the door shut? No, I think they'll probably do something else other than Kennedy. Um, I think the loan market's something they've kind of been looking at still. Um, I think they're looking at players abroad as well. Um, the English the English market's proved really difficult for Newcastle this summer. You've seen what they've ended up sort of doing in Newcastle that the problem has been this summer has been wages not so much transfers the, the fees have obviously been a problem but Newcastle were never well I think they were hoping at one point to well Rafa was hoping at one point to have a lot of money available transfer wise it, it didn't work out it sort of became pretty obvious pretty quickly that that wasn't going to happen but then the wages became the problem that was that that seems to have been that seems to have been the issue but um, 
we've kind of gone over that quite a lot, haven't we? And, and I think that I think they will do. I think they will do something else other than Kennedy tomorrow. From what from what I'm hearing, who that is, I don't know. But it'll be it'll be interesting. They need they probably need a left back. Obviously, I know they're getting Kennedy, but he's more of a winger, isn't he? Really than a left back. Probably need a left back. Probably need a centre midfielder. Of course, they need a goalkeeper as well. Or Rafa thinks they need a goalkeeper anyway. Um, so there's going to be a fair few issues still left unresolved, I think, after this summer, summer window. And Chris, just talking about Dwight Gill, obviously we've been here before with Newcastle, obviously David Kelly helped Newcastle into the Premier League back under Keegan, then he was sold to, to Wolves, ironically enough, who were also apparently interested in Dwight Gill this time around. We've seen you know, Keegan sold Andy Cole as well to much uh, dismay of the fans. So it's not the first time that you know, the, the number nine has, has, has gone and it's been a bit of a surprise. No, this one is an interesting one because I think like much of what's happened at Newcastle this summer, things have progressed quite significantly and the market has, has not been what was expected and Newcastle have had to change their tack a lot across the course of the window. We know obviously early on they wanted the likes of Tammy Abraham, Willie Caballero, but particularly once the Pickford deal came out, I think everyone realised at that point that this summer is going to be completely different than anything that's gone before. And... It, it's been it's been strange as well because if you look in the in the in the next couple of days, it also looks like there's going to be a lot of intra Premier League deals, and by that I mean there's going to be between the big boys, between the big six clubs, which you don't often see. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been a very strange summer. Wages have gone up exponentially as well, and as as, as Mark's made quite clear, they need to, they need to needed to get players off the books, and they simply couldn't do it. They were paying for past mistakes, a from last summer and also from before. I mean, why Grant Handy was given a five year contract last year, I still beggar's belief when the fact that they knew he was the, the intention was he was only going to be here for a season to help them get back in the Premier League and then if they did get promoted he was going to get moved on why he was given that contract I have no would idea that, would that, on that would that have been Lee Charney's idea do you think or would that have been Rafa's I have to be honest I don't know who's, exactly whose idea it was but I would have thought that someone would have sat there at one point and said well hang on a second we only intend to have him for one year why are we giving this long contract the Daryl Murphy one made perfect sense it was two years they've still managed to get a fee from as well because he succeeded Grant Hanley came in on quite big wages on a five-year contract for someone that only wanted for one time. But getting back to, to the Gale issue, I think that, that over the summer they realised that the the second half of last season when the, the hamstring injuries were affecting them and when it became almost a psychological issue, or at least in Rafa's view, that the Gale was feeling there was a problem with his hamstring when nothing was showing up. They were realising that that could be something that, that could hamper him going forward and for a player who is yet to really prove himself in the Premier League obviously didn't really work out from Crystal Palace he's not going to be worth what he is now in the future so if you can explore the possibility you get 15 million plus for Gale if you did have time to reinvest that and get a striker who's of at least equal standing if not better um, and someone who, who is proven in the Premier League then I, I can understand the logic behind the deal Look, Rafa's still more than open to working with Dwight Gale, and if you ask me right now if I expect him to go, I think that because Newcastle aren't going to get someone in, I can't, are unlikely to be able to, to move quick enough to get someone in. Unless that becomes a possibility, I can't see Rafa ever saying Gale can go. He's not going to be, he's not going to be happy to be left with Hosselu and Mitrovic when Mitrovic has only he's got a three-match ban to, to to serve as well. That's just not enough to survive in the Premier League. You're going to need more options than that, but. As I say, that the fact that there is that money there, the fact that there are these doubts over Gale, and I think that his attitude has been questioned to a certain degree. Um, I can see, I can see the logic in doing it, but they can't be left with an Andy Carroll situation from 2011, whereby they're 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 
albeit got a ridiculous bid of thirty-five million pounds, but they left themselves so short and then got Shevki Kuchi the next week on a free transfer. You just can't, they can't afford to do that this time. But there, I mean, there are a few names out there. I've, I've written a few down here. You know, obviously Liverpool's Origi. You know, and then you've got Leicester's Slamani. Um, obviously, we're chucking Andy Carroll just for chucking in sake. But you, you know, Musa as well from Leicester, although he looks like he's going to Hull. And I mean, the Lucas Perez deal as well. I mean, apparently Arsenal have lowered the demands um, on loan wise. I mean, Deportivo have, have gone for that. But I mean, there are a few names out there. Bachwari, if Chelsea signed Lorente, but obviously that means the Kennedy deal then wouldn't happen. I mean, can you see any of them names coming off, or is there any names about in the market which you think you know Benitez might might push for? All of those names have been mentioned at one point or another. The, the Lucas Perez one, I think the problem. I mean, part of it was the wages, but also I think in his heart of hearts he wants to go back to Deportivo, and I think Newcastle are aware of that. So if Deportivo are showing the interest that supposedly they are again, I think it will be unlikely. But he's someone who Rafa certainly likes. Slomani's someone who they've looked at for a few years, and what before Leicester did take the punt on him, Newcastle looked at him a couple of summers in a row and. Didn't want to pay the money that that was wanted in Portugal for him at the time. They paid thirty million. Yeah, it was incredible in the end. He hasn't played that often. He hasn't he's got played. a good record though. It's well, he's, 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 the the the, the he's problem. Good he is a good player. But I think the problem you'd have with Slomani is that you would have three strikers, all of whom are almost target meant to a certain I know Hosselu is slightly different, but if you have Slomani there, if you were to get rid of Gale, you're going to have three players who almost you, you are going to. It's going to be obvious the way you're going to play, which is not necessarily a negative. But I think Rafa likes to have different options within there. Speed up, yeah. yeah. Origi, I mean, he's got options seemingly all over Europe. Juventus want him. Monaco could even try and get him. I think that a, they also want guaranteed game time, which is something Rafa's always reluctant to give. I think that was part of all of the the money situation contributed uh, to. The whole situation with Tammy Abraham, but also the fact that Rafa is very reluctant to say that someone's going to start every week because that's not the way that he operates. Um, so, I mean, the, the thing is, Rafa will have a lot of names going around that we aren't aware of yet as well. He's 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 got contacts with all European clubs who he's he's been trying to get in touch with all summer. He's been highlighted. Uh, it's been brought to his attention all summer. Certain players have become available, and the wage situations mm-hmm. just thrown them at times. Whether there's a lot of players that thought they could have get got at various points, it wasn't. Uh, just coincidence that the likes of Vasquez came out as a name a few weeks ago. That the likes of uh, the a couple of goalkeepers at PSG and Real Madrid. Benitez was well aware that these goalkeepers were available, but Newcastle just didn't have. They hadn't moved on financially in terms of the likes of Tim Krull and whatnot, who's still taking a huge part of the wage budget. So, if if Gale was to go, I would very much expect it to only be on the basis Newcastle get someone in. At the moment, I would say I think it's going to be status quo in that regard. And I think it's somewhere else they're likely to strengthen. But if Fulham come in with an improved offer, then Newcastle really will be looking to, to see if there is something that can be done. And just on Grant Hanley, I mean, he got absolutely turned over on uh, against Nottingham Forest. Their young, young striker, I can't quite remember the name of him, but he gave him an absolute nightmare. They've done well to, <laughs> to get that deal sorted, really, Mark, because he did not look like championship standard. Yeah, I, I think... I think the problem is that what one of the things that, that Rafa kind of understood when he put together that squad last season was that you know you, you put together a big squad like that and you you know you lose during the course of the season you'll lose one or two of them because they won't they want to play and the and the fact that you ones that you can con, ones that you can keep sharp and who want to keep you know who, who will keep working you, you guys like Daryl Murphy's and that and and you know who. Was just you know perfect professional for Newcastle because he kept going, didn't he? And then then when the chance came to leave, he uh, he took it as well because he wanted to play. 
think the thing with Grant Hanley is he's a big guy anyway when you look at him his condition wise physique he probably needs to be playing he looked he looks kind of unwieldy. you know he's not he's not kind of natural he doesn't look like a kind of streamlined sort of athlete I think he you know he showed for Blackburn um, that you know he can play but he just looked just looked way out of way out of it and I think he just became disillusioned he wasn't playing much um, you know, he, he he got a big contract, didn't he? And, and I think it's it's whether he'd lost a bit of the hunger when he wasn't playing, and he knew the thing was. I felt a bit sorry for him in a way as well because he knew that however well he played last season, when he came in, he was never going to play again. I mean, the, the, and and that is a that is a difficult situation for a footballer to be. So I feel a bit sorry for him. I don't think he was, you know, I think he knows as well that his time's up when he came in and played in that game on Wednesday. I hate the League Cup, the early rounds of the League Cup when you go after those games because they're, they're, you know you piece together a team that's you know it's like Rafa probably didn't work that much on that team and I, I feel a bit for him. You know Norwich fans I know uh, <clears throat> kind of up in arms about oh why have we gone for Hanley because they'll have seen him play last week and maybe you know a bit at the back end of last season but he, he's all right you know he's, he's Hanley's fine he's a decent Championship. Defender, a bizarre signing, I think. Still, though, it was one of the few that I kind of felt Rafa was almost doubling down his insurance, wasn't he, by buying Hanley? Because it was like, right, I get an injury, then I get another injury, and I get another injury, and then Hanley plays. And it was like, it was you know he he wanted a squad to be able to compete for the League Cup and the Championship, and he he went and did it, but you know it, it didn't really work out in the end, did it? It's a bit like Hammer, it's a bit like Lazar, you know. You just have to accept that some of them don't work. But the fact that they've been able to sell him, I would have thought they'd probably taken a bit of a loss on him. Pretty serious loss on him, probably. They haven't really, you know, there's been no talk of a fee yet, which suggests to me that, you know, and Norwich haven't got a lot of money. So See, I've seen 3.5 million and half what they've got from so they've him. Got that, so they've, 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 they've taken 50% yeah. whack on him. You know, do you say the 3.5 million got you over the line? Well, yeah, probably. Um, shame though, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's. it's it, it's a shame for for Newcastle in a way that they you know that, that they were spending such a lot of money committing such a lot of money to a player like that. But I suppose it was the only way they could get him. Awesome. Definitely. And if you are a Norwich fan listening, by fine what actually means absolutely superb. So um, <laughs> take him off our hands, please. Um, elsewhere, one defender I do want to mention, Chris, is uh, Mbemba. Pronounced it right this time. There we go. It's taken all these months to do so. But he played quite well against West Ham. And, and from the summer, uh, he looked like he'd be one of those going out. And he's actually come in you know, at the start of the season, obviously due to injuries and what have you. But he's he's looked very good. He's looked like he could actually push for, for starting place. Yeah, I, f- I actually thought at Huddersfield he did all right for, for playing in a position which was not his at all. He, he'd really struggled at right-back in pre-season. It doesn't look great, does it? No. It doesn't look great with him. He doesn't look great as a left-back, but he's... Yeah, yeah, well, the th- I mean, pre-season at right back, it really didn't work out when I was th- when I thought oh, he's now switching on to his more natural side. But he's someone who I really think he has over the last six to twelve months progressed because over the first six months after Rafa, once he once he got dropped under Rafa, you really did worry that he wasn't going to get back in the team. There was a lot of question marks about whether he listened to what Rafa wanted to do, whether he could be a Rafa player. But he really has knuckled down. His attitude's been right. And I have been impressed with him. He is versatile in the sense that he can play full-back, albeit not as well as when he plays centre-back. And he, he is someone who is still young. Newcastle spent £8 million on. And you still think that, that there, there really is a player there and that they, they tracked him for quite a while before they got him. Um, 
he, he is a bit of a ball playing centre back to a certain degree. I think that he has cut out a little bit of the stupidity from what he did before. He quite often seed possession, give the ball away in silly situations, which did frustrate Rafa. And I think he has worked on that. Actually, I th- at centre back, the injury to Lejeune was 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 disappointing, and, and it would be nice to have him back soon. But I actually think it's one of the positions Newcastle looks strongest in. None of them, you'd say, are out and out top Premier League centre backs, but all of them really got a point to prove. Kieran Clark, when he was a Villa, obviously last twelve months didn't work out. He's got a point to prove. He was excellent. He was my man in the match on Saturday. I thought he was, he was really good superb. Jamal Lascelles was very good on Saturday. He's, st- he's still young. He, he's still got something to prove. Of Lejeune coming in as well, and then they have options there in terms of Hayden can switch back to centre back, Marino can switch to centre back. So I actually think it's one of the positions that they're most well stocked in, which for a side who you're expecting to be in the lower half of the Premier League it, it is is a unique position really. Um, uh, it's not defensively that I worry about Newcastle; it's more yeah. just the creativity wise. They've already conceded one goal, playing eleven against eleven this season. Yeah. Which is not bad at all. Yeah, so. well, considering Spurs as well on the opening day of the season. Yeah. And they've had a lot of it. I mean, Rafa po- uh, highlighted this last week, and he is right. They've had th- th- arguably three of their first choice defenders have been injured for the last two games. E- if you if you had that even at one of the, the top six clubs, you'd, you'd say he was struggling. So, um, Lejeune looked really good in that first mm. 50 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever. Pre season, you know, he looks yeah. you know, yeah. brilliant. He yeah. gives them a different option to both yeah. centre back. He's got a. It looks like he's got a bit of class. I mean, again, that that's when when you talk about the Marino deal, that, that's one that I mean, touch wood, just hope it does work out. But at at eight point eight million or whatever the release clause was, depending on on what the conversion rate was at the time, it's it's a one that in this crazy summer you think could be a bargain as well. And in terms of some of the business Newcastle have done, I think they have done well. It's just they haven't done enough of it, and they haven't they haven't been able to address. Some of the problems that, that 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 they really will have this season, I still think they need more creativity. They need another striker, all these sorts of things. But I actually think some of the business they have done is, has been reasonable enough. Uh, and it it it's just the fact that it's it, only on six players now. Will it be seven or eight by the end of the window? They probably needed to do about ten, really. Yeah, it's been a funny funny summer, really, because I remember in March, April when um, when we first got kind of wind of some of the players they were looking at. It was guys like Andre Gray, Harry Maguire we were talking about um, and a lot of Newcastle fans were saying to me oh we should be going for better than that. Well actually as it's turned out at the end I think a lot of Newcastle fans would have would have said oh, all right, we've done well to get those players in but um, I think probably what happened was it was a collision of expectation and reality and I think that like the problem was it, it, it blindsided a lot of people including Rafa and you know I'd be happy to say myself as well the full extent of the the window and how it how it came out the wage the wage situation I think um, had a, has had a much bigger impact than than we first we first felt but um, yeah I, I think they've done some decent business but I think they it's just they haven't done the business where Rafa wanted them to do the business and that is the problem like the one thing I know that he's really annoyed about is he wanted and he you know we keep talking about these two names Abraham and Caballero he wanted the goalkeeper situation sorted early because he knew that there were four personalities there, two strong personalities, one who's just come up from the twenties, Freddie Woodman, who's training with the England senior squad at the moment, is going to be an England goalkeeper, senior goalkeeper in the future because he's in that pathway now. So, so he's got people in his head basically saying, you know, you're going to be special. At the moment, he's the third choice for Newcastle United, so he's not playing. So Rafa knew that he needed to resolve that situation quickly. He needed to resolve the Tim Krul situation quickly. 
and the Darlow situation quickly. He knows Rob Elliott wants to be here, will battle for his place. So he was taking Elliott as his, as his normal one. He wanted to bring that Premier League goalkeeper in so that it would force the hand off Cruel and Darlow because they knew they weren't going to play and he could let Woodman go out. Now he's got four and um, four goalkeepers who are all uncertain. Darlow doesn't Darlow's currently second choice but knows he can leave. Cruel's completely disillusioned and, and can leave. And Woodman's a frustrated bystander who's not, you know, who's not playing enough football. And that's his point that if you don't do the deals at the right time, it causes more problems. Same thing for Abraham. Newcastle are now looking for, you know, into the last 36 hours of the window. We're talking Gale might leave, Gale might not leave. But if Abraham had come in, they could have sold Gale um, earlier in the window for 15, 16, 17 million. Would have covered the Abraham cost, probably allowed them to strengthen elsewhere. That's his point, is that not that I didn't get enough money and I need more money necessarily, although I think he thinks there should have been a bit more money available because there were, you know, they did stuff. It was you do things right and you get the rewards for it. And Newcastle, and he's got a point when it comes to Newcastle United because, as we've said, they've left it this late before and it's never worked out well for them. It's never worked out well for them when they leave it this late because they don't get the players they need. You know, Seydou Dumbi, a great example, you know. They've been chasing their tails all summer. I think that's just because... Rafa recognises as much as anyone that, that Newcastle were never going to do all their business in, in, in May, June, July. He realised that, but he did think that they could get four or five players in, and that gives you a head start, whereas Newcastle have been working on the basis that they've needed, since since basically the start of July, they've needed six, seven, eight, nine, ten players, which you just you can't really do. If you've got that those players in position already, and I think part of the reason behind that is, is the wage issue. I think another part of the reason is Newcastle weren't in the Premier League last year. They didn't quite comprehend ahead of even this window where it's gone up even more the Premier League premium has gone up so much more you go to a club in Europe and a player who could go to either Italy or Newcastle just to say, say that for the Italy or the Premier League team, say Italy the fee will be 10 million and the wage is 30 grand you can add 50% at least on if it's an English club come calling and I don't think Newcastle were quite fully prepared for that and when that did come about then there's been so much reassessment within themselves as to what they can afford to do and what they've been able to do. And it's when we're getting to July and you'll see all this stuff about, oh, well, Newcastle have signed one or two players, but so or some clubs have signed nobody or other clubs only signed one or two. Newcastle are always going to have to do more business mm-hmm. than most of the clubs. Newcastle were coming up from the Championship. They're always going to need to do between seven and 12 deals, really. That's what Rafa wanted. The likes of Bournemouth can spend £20 million on Aki, A, because they've got the money, and B, because in theory, yeah, I know they haven't started the season very well, in theory they've got most of the component parts there already, they only need to add a couple. It was always going to be the, difficult. The interesting thing's been to watch, because um, I think Bournemouth, I always felt like the teams that got off to a real flyer in the in the window, Everton and Bournemouth, I was never like that impressed with the, the business that they did. I know everybody was talking about Everton a lot, but I thought they, they, they sold... They sold the best player, and they're going to sell the mid, you know one of the best midfielders talent-wise, um, and they've they've replaced them. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure about whatever they've done. Bournemouth, you know, started the season badly. I'm not sure about what they've done. The teams that I'm really interested in now are West Brom and Stoke. Now Stoke have ended the window, having been battered by their fans and battered by a lot of people saying they haven't done enough. They're going to end the window with uh, Hesse, Jesse. Hesse, Wimmer, and they've they've just signed somebody else as well, I think, or they've brought somebody else in who I thought looked looked a decent looked a decent. They got Zuma. They've actually ended up coming up quite well. West Brom have got 
Gibbs today. Seven million, seven which I think is. Well, they're on massive wages. Um, but then they've got Burke from uh, Leipzig as well. Leipzig as well. Now, right. yeah, exactly. And now that's really interesting because West Brom are another one that everybody said, oh, you know, I'm not sure about them. But they've actually ended it really strongly. But like Chris was saying, the pressure wasn't necessarily on them to do the business that Newcastle had to do. Um, but, you know, and, and it, we've been through it, haven't we? And, and, and the, the, we'll feel the ramifications for the rest of the rest of the season and into the summer and what might happen coming forward you know Rafa's already talking about this isn't a long term project if they won't back me you know and he might it's going to take more than a meeting with Mike Ashley next time isn't it that's the problem that's the big issue there needs to be constant communication well not constant but but at least every now and again there needs to be some sort of of, of relationship between the two of them and I think that that is always going to be until there is you have two characters who are very strong-willed, mm. have really got different visions on this, and, and there's going to be breakdown in communication. The, the more you have the likes of Lee Charnley and Justin Barnes in between you, there's, mm. going to be, there's going to be mixed messages sent to, and I think there needs to be some sort of, of, of olive branch offered by Mike Ashley to Rafa Benitez if he wants to resolve mm. going forward. And just, just then you... Because I think some of the problems that have been created this summer has almost been like Chinese whispers. I don't think there's been necessarily that the money hasn't been there or, or whatever, but but Rafa doesn't get a... Newcastle don't sign a player. Rafa gets the wrong end of the stick. And it, it, all, it all sort of yeah. snowballs. He's created... I mean, let's be honest, you know, as much as, like, I think, you know, I think it's probably most of the people listening to this podcast, and I think it's pretty clear the three of us, Lee, I know as well, you know, we all know what Rafa's brought to this football club but, but we have to be honest that Rafa's created the um, the agenda I think you know I, I think fair enough because Steve McLaren said nothing and then came to, was sacked Newcastle got relegated and he said oh I should have I should have said something I should have said something uh, you know I shouldn't have let it just all, all happen well Rafa's you know smarter than that he's got a great CV he's at the UEFA today with the other elite coaches Um but we have to accept that Rafa's created a lot of the, the agenda. So the agenda that we've kind of been talking about all summer, that's Rafa's doing. It wasn't Mike Ashley who's kind of created that agenda, but fair enough for him to do it. What, I, what I'm looking forward to, actually, once the transfer window shuts, is being able to talk about the football. And, it, you know, we, we know that it plays into a really easy agenda um, that Rafa's unhappy. We all know, everybody knows in football, Liverpool fans, everybody knows it's an easy story to write Rafa's unhappy. The fact that it's true and the fact that it, you know, it, it, it's been proven has been there. But I think I can understand why Newcastle fans have felt so frustrated that, look, whatever we do, whatever we do, it just keeps coming back to this thing about Rafa um, being unhappy. And it was like, uh, you know, I could kind of see it. That there was something on um, Saturday, wasn't there? Uh, at half, I think it was about ten o'clock. Sky Sports News did a story saying Rafa, um, Bilic, Bilic's jobs under review. Rafa's in the frame. Um, you know, Wellsall story, and you know we might hear about it again. But I could understand why Newcastle fans read that and just thought, for Christ's sake, you know, look, we've literally four hours we've had to enjoy this win, and you're already talking about Rafa's future again. You know, you have to get used to it a, a little bit, but hopefully there will be a bit of time and a bit of space and we'll be able to talk about football for the next few few weeks because you saw on Saturday this is the reason you want to be back in the Premier League because Rafa up against some good managers some good players you know their tactic, tactic it, was more, it was more entertaining on Saturday it was more fun on Saturday than the vast majority of mm-hmm. championship, championship games definitely. it was a better watch 
the, the standard was better. Um, the atmosphere was excellent on Saturday. Much, much better than it had been yeah, for most was. of the championship season. Gallagate's flags, by the way, Alex Hurst and the guys there in War... Um, sorry, I can have... Warham. Warham. The guys... <laughs> God, I can't say See, this is how I'm betraying my Sounds non-Jordy like boots. defender. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, but, sorry, guys, so I've got your name on there. But I'm just about to say, you did an absolute belting job. You know, they've, they've put in so much work as well. Um, inspired by like what the change, the change of the club, but the, the um, that idea to have one flag, one flag sort of all, it? it sent a message in it. Um, the fans, you know, I think I know a lot of the fans. Kind of some of them are like, oh, Rafa, just stay quiet and just let us do it. But th- you saw the connection between the two, and that is why Rafa's not going to walk out. Uh, I'm interested to see what Rafa does post transfer window because in January. It was slightly different during the window. I think he always thought before it got to the end of. I mean, I remember speaking to him on the, on deadline the day before deadline day itself, and he thought that they were going to even get Andros Townsend at that stage. And I don't think he was quite realised until the the final throws of that window how wrong things had gone in terms of in his view. And he, he let all that tension out after the QPR mm-hmm. game, and then he shut it down. And then it was we concentrate on the football. I think we'll probably see that from post transfer window. No matter what happens. If Newcastle don't even get Kennedy, if they don't get anyone, which I'm not seeing will happen, I hope that this are still going to be this can still be a positive end of the window. But I think you'll just shut it down and realize this is what I've got to work with. Now we focus on this, and there's going to be no talk of that until January. Yeah, he's quite. He was quite like kind of resigned, I think, in a little in a little bit of a way to, you know, he knew didn't he a while ago like that, that it was going to be difficult in the last few few weeks. I think the. Um, I think he was kind of still hoping, wasn't he? I mean, you were in the press conference on Friday. I was, I wasn't there, but the Jovetic stuff, which had kind of emerged, I think he was still hopeful on that, wasn't he? He was still hopeful on on Prior as well, who, who are both players that he really likes. He's been making calls on those players, but I think he knew. He said to us, there was a we asked him about goalkeepers, and you know he was quite he was quite good with us, he's, you know. But I think there's no doubt that he wanted Pepe Reina, but he knows that that deal was impossible to do. But Pepe Reina would have solved, like all of the problems in Rafa's head would have been solved by sort of bringing in Pepe Reina. And it's like that idea, isn't it, of like, do you as a football club take that chance and just do that one deal? You know, show your manager that you're going to back him 100%. And he then knows, all right, they're they're going to back me a little bit on this. And that's that's the sort of next step for Newcastle, really. And, you know, it's funny because I was having conversations with people in... March and April and they were saying to me Mike Ashley will never go to £20 million for a player he'll do 10 15 but he will never go to £20 million for a footballer um, and I was kind of like oh, you know, that's not the noises that we're hearing from Rafa and that's noise. but um, that proved to be correct so maybe I'll have to listen to that person again uh, a bit, bit more closely in the future and uh, yeah maybe that maybe that person's got you know with, with knowledge of what happens at Newcastle maybe they were absolutely spot on they also told me that uh, a few times that Ashley is looking for a seller, so uh, looking for a buyer. Sorry, so you know who knows, who knows, because there's all of that going away in the background. What's going to be really interesting is that we knew at the end of last summer everything was resolved, wasn't it, for six months? Suzoko had gone. They'd got rid of all the players they wanted to get rid of, barring Cecchioti. You know, God rest his soul, who ended up because he was because the kind of person that Cecchioti was ended up knuckling down and doing the business doing the job. and everybody loved Czech Teoti. Um but this time they're going to have I think necessarily they're going to have a few players who are going to be a little bit disillusioned with what's happened in the summer 
and a manager who's a little bit disillusioned with what's happening this summer. So it's going to be interesting because it's a little bit more frayed than it was last summer, um, which, you know, is not ideal, but I always thought it was going to be harder this summer to resolve every single issue that Newcastle had because there were so many. And just on that, the perils of doing a podcast on the penultimate day of the transfer window, Grant Hanley is officially a Norwich City player now. So Excellent. um, Norwich fans, you've got a great signing. How Uh, long has he signed for? He has signed for, I believe, I don't know, does it mention his contract yet? Uh, God, there's a lot of quotes from him there. A lot of quotes, but uh, it doesn't actually mention how long for. What's he said? Uh, It's a fresh start for... Being able to, see, there you go, being able to come to a massive club and get games is a big motivation. And Daniel Farkas called him a quality addition. Strange old situation at Norwich, sorry. I just want to say this. Strange old situation at Norwich. They've been absolutely woeful this over this season. I've never heard of Farker. Doesn't seem to be working out very well there. They went down with Newcastle United two years ago. Everybody's everybody was telling me last week when I was kind of like giving Raf a bit, saying, oh, well, it's easy to get out of the championship. Where are Villa? Where are Norwich? It's not easy. Not easy to get out of that division. Spot on. And I just want to go through the through the list of players who potentially could be leaving. So and I'll ask you whether you think they're going to be here in 24 hours. Just a simple kind of yes or no. So we've got Cruel. No. <laughs> I was going to say you don't do that, but I thought you were better than that, Chris. But Tim Cruel? Uh, no. Tim Cruel? No. Is that, no, he won't be here. No, he won't no, be here. As in, no, he won't be here. No, I don't think so. <laughs> That's a question. Will he be here? Right. Uh, Lazar, will Lazar be here in 24 no. hours? No, I think he's already left. Already left, gone earlier. Uh, Savier? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think he'd be reintegrated in the squad as well. It'd be interesting to see what happens. He's versatile again. I don't think he play that much, but he's someone who can cover a few positions. His attitude seems to be good as well. He seems to be training hard and, and prepared to, to knuckle down. He even him. played him number 10 last week. I actually thought he looked better there than when he played defensive midfield. So it was see, I, I, I mentioned that. That's why he played for San Etienne a lot last year, yeah. albeit then got, got kicked a lot of team. Didn't he by, by there? Yeah. He said that his hunger had gone, which was... Yeah. I've never seen him on like. He just never had a He's a tidy footballer. He did I think play I like that, though, didn't he? Yeah, he played okay. He's, he's a tidy enough footballer, and as I say, he covers a few positions, and that's why he's been on the bench the last few weeks. So. They were thinking about bringing him back in January, you know. That's the yeah. interesting thing. Yeah, they, like, did, yeah. they thought about bringing him back in January, so Rafa didn't want to write him off. And he's my captain on FIFA and one of my best players, so Rafa's listening. I thought you were going to say fancy football. But he's still no, got, he's, no, he's no, still got no, three years left on his contract as well. So. <laughs> no, I'm not a fancy footballer. Don't put any castle cards in fancy football. It's a bad move. Anyway, Dwight Gale. Uh, yes, still here. Gale still be here. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Hidara. Yes. Uh, and the other one is Yasin Belamani, who. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 he, he might get a loan move. Um, I don't think he's. I don't think Newcastle will necessarily be averse to letting him go, but I don't know how much of the interest is actual interest or just agent talk. But I'm not. I'm not ruling it out completely. Did they, they just take a risk on Elmani last summer? I think it didn't really have much to do with Rafa. Um, you know they took a risk, didn't they? They they needed play. They need players in for the. We we, we talked about it a few weeks ago, didn't we? About the under twenty threes and the weird situation that you have, where you have to have an under twenty three squad now. Um, and it's whether Elmani. I mean, you interviewed him the, the other day. It's whether Elmani El thinks that he needs to play, and he. I think he's got a very. You know, he's got confidence about him, hasn't he? He's got a bit of an arrogance because he can. He's got talent. But um, when I saw him play in the first team, he was way, way, way away from being Newcastle level. Um, but uh, but you know, League One, League Two, why not? 
Uh, and incomings, Chris, how many and you know the positions you see you see potentially getting filled in the next 24 hours? Uh, two, one of which would be Kennedy, and then I think there will be cover at left back. I think that's probably where they're going to prioritise. Mark? Um, I think probably a couple, the, they might get this goalkeeper in. Be, that'll be where I'd that'll be where I'd look because he wants this goalkeeper in, doesn't he? If he gets rid of two, um, they could end up with five five goalkeepers, couldn't they? But strange, strange old situation that one. But yeah, I think they'll, they'll get a couple in. I think. And is there a player that stands out for you, Chris? Where you think you know Rafa, you you'd like to see Rafa go out and get this this guy in the next? In terms of a left back. In terms of where where anywhere across the pitch. I mean, I'd really I've said all summer I'd really like them to get an attacking midfielder. Uh, Still haven't got it necessarily a specific name just because the money's been crazy this summer. But uh, the likes of uh, the equivalent of Marino just slightly further forward in that, that number of ten position. As I say, I'm not a specific name. But that if if I was to to be given the option, if this is the one player you could say in the next 24 hours, given Rafa's knowledge of European football, I would I would say target that area because I think that's where that could be the difference between being comfortably clear of relegation and being in a real fight so you've given up on your tip of uh, Sacco well Sacco I was, yeah. this is this it's is just to school uh, I, was, I want to have a rant about this just in terms of this is what I mean about this window being bizarre is Liverpool have made it quite clear he doesn't have a future there They've had bids of twenty-five million from, and they're holding out for thirty million pounds for a player that just don't want anymore. It's 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 an absolutely crazy win. I don't understand how a player who has no chance of getting into the Liverpool first team this year, they can sit there and go, "Oh no, I'm not accepting twenty-five million. You've got to give us thirty million pounds." It just it, it's it's well, absolutely ludicrous. Fabian, De- I mean, there's a whole group of players now, really expensive players who can't get a game, but have such incredible contracts that they'll never go anywhere. For Fabian Delph is it? excellent example of that isn't he um, you know he's like I mean James McCarthy at Everton we've talked about McCarthy time and time again you know nobody's going to come in for him um, I was looking around at names today and um, you've got I know he's injured because he got injured in the summer but Joel Campbell at Arsenal another one you know who's yeah. been I mean he's out for six months so you know don't I wouldn't think there's anything in that one but another one you know like a lot of players aren't playing can't get in teams on massive money. Yeah. Like, why would Danny? I don't understand why Danny Drinkwater go to Chelsea because I think the same things going to happen. Thirty million is wrong. That's ridiculous. It's, it's the same things that they're, 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 I mean, if they if they were to get them, it looks like Oxley Chamberlain's going to go to Liverpool. But see, if they did get the three, they want Barkley, Oxley Chamberlain, and, and Drinkwater. Where's Drinkwater going to fit in a team where you've already got? They've already signed players for forty odd, fifty million pounds this summer already. Back at your goal, Mark. We're getting. I'm mean, just kind of going off the tangent. We also know that Conte hasn't been that happy with the way it's gone at Chelsea. And the way he's handled the Costa thing, it's a bit it's a bit strange, you know, it's in contrast to maybe the way Rafa's handled things. Obviously they've both said they're not very happy, but the way Rafa's maybe handled the players that he doesn't want, it looks to have maybe been a little bit better than Conte obviously sending a text to Costa who was who basically won the Premier League last season. It's been a bit strange. Mm. Uh, uh, what's what's interesting as well is you know, for all that um the last week seemed to be there seem to be a lot of focus on Newcastle and Rafa and everything that, that we've seen this week. Um, De Boer looks like he's on the edge at Palace. Could go it's incredible. Really. Could go in the first. Could go if they lose the next game. Bilic, how long is he going to last at West Ham? Not that much longer. There's, there's, you know, there's others as well. I mean, a lot of panicky chairman out there now. Conte, ironically, you know, it, it was like, is he on the edge? After they lost that first game, then they've done really well in the last two games. Haven't they? They've done really, really well. Um, 
Conte is just a, a kind of, you know, he is a character who, you know, won't shy away from conflict. He's been, showed that at Juventus, quite a, you know, fiery character. He's, you know, and won't shy away from it. Chelsea have the advantage of being able to afford to kind of alienate a player like Diego Costa, and you know, Costa might have no choice tomorrow afternoon but to kind of get himself fit, get himself back. Similar with Coutinho, you know, said I'm injured, I can't play, then he's picture training in Brazil. This is what I mean when I say, you know, look, Newcastle aren't the only team that are going to have all these unresolved issues moving into the next next phase. And, and I can understand why all the managers want the, the deadline, want the transfer window shut earlier than it is, because you've got three, they'll play three games, three Premier League games. And, you know, there's all of that kind of unsettling that kind of goes on in the background and all of that you know, all of those problems that, that, that you have, it's not just Newcastle, and, and we obviously talk about Newcastle, but, um, you know, Arsenal, great example. Mm. Looks like, I mean, Arsenal, if I was an Arsenal fan, I understand, you know, that they are, I think as a fan base, they've been characterised by these guys on Arsenal fan TV who are, you know, moronic really, aren't they? And the way that they kind of like, they, it's just a bit, they just look a bit privileged now, it's all become a bit, been, become a bit panto. But I understand why they're frustrated. They're going to sell Oxlade-Chamberlain potentially and Sanchez as well. Like, aren't they? I mean, they should be aspiring to better than they're doing, but they, you know, and they should have a bet. I like Arsene Wenger, but I think should should have time to go. Yeah, it's time to go. They're going to, you know, potentially end the season, end the summer. You know, having got Lacazette, who is all right, but he didn't play on. And this is what I think for all as frustrating as this window has been for Newcastle the one thing you would say is that in the past you may look at Newcastle and think for the few clubs in a worse situation to what's going on behind the scenes as long as Rafa is there for Newcastle you always feel no matter what the tensions are above that you feel there's some control there it's the glue that it's the glue you look at other clubs and you, you Billich at West Ham look like a dead man walking on Saturday the contrast between him and Rafa on the touchline regardless of what was going on off the pitch Billich looked shot and then you look at Crystal Palace, which is yeah, like that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the Crystal Palace situation is nonsensical. You 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 had Sam Allardyce last season, albeit you didn't expect him to retire. You had Sam Allardyce for all of what his critics are critics say about his football. You know the way that he plays. You bring in De Boer from the Cruyff School of Football. You give him three games. Don't let him sign basically any players except players alone. And then three games in, think that you're gonna. He started to panic. It just it doesn't make any sense. He, that that is a, a far worse situation to be in, and I think that Newcastle fans, to a certain degree, regardless of the fact that Mike Asher should just count their blessings that Rafa's still here. I mean, what the Palace thing is really interesting because did they not do their homework? Because I spoke to, you know, when you make calls and you speak to people, I spoke to about three or four people who were like, oh, Palace made a, a, a rick there. You know, he couldn't get another job. He was linked to Newcastle. He was awful at Milan. But he couldn't, they, get, they couldn't he, get rid of him quick enough. He couldn't get another. He couldn't get a job because this reputation, I think, that amongst people in, in football, that like he is quite stubborn. You know, he, he has his principles. He sticks to them. And if he wants to come in at a club like you know Inter Milan, even Palace, Newcastle, team like that, you have to be. You know, Rafa understands. You have to be pragmatic. Most managers understand. You have to be pragmatic. And um, you know. They went from Pardew and Allardyce, who were both kind of quite direct. Pardew less so than Allardyce, but the players were hit the channels, pace, let's hit them. You know, they were quite direct team. And, um, you know, I just feel really lucky that they got them on the first day of the season. You wish Newcastle had got them on the first day of the season because they just looked, I mean, you know, and they will sack him. They will sack him, no doubt. He will not be there at the end of the season because they're, 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 you can see they're already starting to panic. They've lost to Huddersfield and Swansea at home. 
I mean, Everyone's got to go. That is, that is a, if I was a Palace fan right now, I'd be really worried about what's going to happen this season. Mm. We'll just start to wrap it up, but obviously on, on West Ham, I mean, Village, if he does go, Benitez is going to have at least a £5 million, uh, kind of buyout clause. If the situation did arise, Village goes, we know David Gould and Sullivan come after Benitez. I mean, if Mike Ashley's offered the money, what do you see? What do you see happening? Chris. Well, from West Ham's point of view, this is what I've never understood about managers in the last few years is that everyone seems a bit reluctant to pay a fee to release a manager. Now, I know there's a hiring and firing culture, but to pay five or six million pounds, as I believe it is somewhere in that sort of range, to get Rafa Benitez, considering all the money they've spent on players this summer, for me, would be a no-brainer from West Ham's point of view. If that was what it would take, then from their point of view, I would certainly go for it. From a Newcastle point of view, um, it would it would be... I think that Rafa would have to, to, to think seriously about it. Would he, would he want to go at this point when he has built what he's got? Obviously, it's been a frustrating summer. Um, I think he would have a decision to make just purely because he, he was just about to sign for them before he went to Real Madrid. It's a club he still has good relations with. And the fact that he is now talking about his, his long-term project gone. Look, I don't think this is likely to be a scenario that comes up. I think that the West Ham will probably sack Billich and then go for a cheaper option because I think that's the way football clubs operate as much as I don't agree with I think that you should pay a lot of money for for managers I think that Mike Ashley really needs to to, to not hope, to not wait for, for that scenario to ever arrive though and just sit down and speak to Benitez and, and create some sort of a dialogue whereby it's not just through Charnley and, uh, and Justin Barnes because at the moment the, the, the situation it's just becoming too cyclical and it's too often and it, and it, it needs some resolving what do you think if it did arise would it be the wake up call Ashley needs to say well okay I'll change my tact I'll change my approach I think you know the cynic in me would say that Mike Ashley might actually welcome it because it would give him an out of like oh I can get somebody else in I'll get five million pounds I don't know Mike Ashley's thinking you know but I I, I don't think it would I don't think it would wake him up I think he I think there's a there's a I think they're completely complacent about what happened last season I think that Mike Ashley thinks that getting out of the championship with the money that, he, that Rafa was given, anybody could have done that. That's what they felt about Chris Hughton. That's why they sacked him early. Um, so I think it will require many more performances like Saturday, many more points on the board. And I think then Ashley will start to think, actually, we've got something here. Um, you know, I think the West Ham situation, they'll probably end up going for someone like Thomas Tuckle or somebody like that. Yeah, because it's work. free. And the problem with Rafa is that as much as... Um, he's a great manager if you're West Ham you not only have to go and pay for a Rafa you have to then sanction him he would get, he would got that team because that team on Saturday were a bit you know they, they were they weren't disciplined they were not like a Rafa team um, so it would be a big it would be a big job but um, I don't know you know I, I kind of feel like then they're obviously not they obviously don't think they can get him at the moment because they would have sacked they would have got him in the summer they would have gone for him in the summer if they'd have felt like the overtures from Rafa's people were were positive, because I think they would have sacked Bilic if they could have done. And if they really wanted Rafa, they could have they could have they could have gone for him after Saturday, you know, because it, it's all there. But um, you know, I I kind of felt like there was, you know, it did sound as if it was a little bit more positive in terms of Rafa and all the kind of like you know there was a bit of talk, wasn't there? And you know. Bishop was there on Saturday. We saw him. He was in jolly mood, and Rafa was a bit more jolly. And 
Lee Charney made a point of walking past all the journalists down yeah, yeah. to the, the dressing room, which I, you know I think was a kind of point was you know point was being made there, and it was a little bit like you know it did feel a little bit like maybe there was some, people were kind of talking again a little bit, but um, I don't know the West the West Ham thing, I, like you know I, I think they're they're going to try and give Billich as much options as they can because they've stuck by him and they they want they want that to succeed, don't they? <clears throat> Clearly, because they've backed him a few times now. Um, I'm not sure what their games are when they come back from, but they, they'll have, they haven't played at home yet, have they? Um, and you know, they, they've got enough talent in that team to sort of get get going again, and and, and that's the that's the top problem. And the fans, their fans were singing his name at the start of the game, you know. So I don't think he's lost the fans yet. Um, it's just whether he can kind of get them get them moving again. But I would think that if they're going to go for Rafa, it'd be later in the winter or next summer but I think next summer is the one where you've got to worry about Rafa if, if nothing changes at Newcastle because I think he, he's he's quite an emotional guy isn't he like in terms of he's now part of this Newcastle project he's channeled the fans and it's not like Kevin Keegan where Keegan felt like I've got to walk away to make a point here because I just this is just not going to go well I think Rafa has dug in and said right it's me and them against everybody, including the board and all that as well. Um, so yeah, I kind of feel like next summer there'll only be a year left on his contract, and that that thing yeah. will be interesting for me because if, if things are at the moment, unless there are some sort of conciliatory talks, I can't see how they would. Well, he be wants to be. The other thing is as well, he wants to be manager. You know, he's he's um, you know he's not an old, he's not a, a, an old, not one of the elder statesmen, but he's you know he's probably getting towards a kind of stage where he wants to be back in the Champions League. He wants to be back. You know, he's been at this elite conference. And mm. All of those other managers are in the Champions League this season, apart from Rafa. Rafa is the only one who isn't. So he wants to be managing at that level. You know, he did do the Championship season. He was happy to do that. But you know, we heard before he committed to Newcastle in the Championship, I don't want to be in the Championship. I want to be in the Champions League. Um, so you know, we want to be back there, and and he's happy to be at Newcastle while he feels that that is the aspiration at Newcastle as well. I think this summer's shown him that maybe the aspiration at Newcastle is a lot less than that. That is where the problem comes long term. Um, so let's just make the most of him while while he's here. Um, you know, you never know what might be around the corner. Newcastle could get taken over. There's a lot of things that can happen in the next six months. Um, and in the meantime, you know, it'll be nice to get rid of this transfer window. It's been a bit of a cussed one, yeah. hasn't it? I mean, we've sat here and I, you know, I feel like coming out of the end of it will. We'll all feel a little bit more um, chilled, he says, until Rafa walks on, <laughs> on Tuesday. But no, I think I think it would be nice to talk, talk about football and and kind of have that as well. And I think a lot of fans, a lot of people listening, will probably feel that as well. Fantastic. Well, you know, all you've got to do is stick with us on ChronicleLive.co.uk for the next twenty-four hours or however long. Bit longer than that, isn't it? About was it twenty? Thirty-one hours. It was thirty-six at the start of the podcast. It, it probably feels to, to the <laughs> listeners as if it's thirty-one. <laughs> yeah, thirty-one. Right, yeah, for the next 31 hours, ChronicleLive.co.uk will be running the live blog from, I think, 5 five in the morning tomorrow, yeah. all the way through. And who's on the early coffee shift? John's. I Craig John's. John's, who's running the blog as we speak now. Um, yeah, so we'll be covering every aspect of it, and you can tell Chris is really excited by it. Um, and, yeah, thank you very much for listening.